0: good to be here and with that can we just come together and sing lord hear our cry come hear our land as a desperation of a prayer that's within our hearts let us pray for ourselves let us pray for our church and let us pray for this generation as we worship let's sing together I pray that you protect us and that we will keep you as a center, as the apple of our eye. As you see us as the apple of your eye, Lord, you are our beginning, our middle, and the end. Lord, as I am here today, I want to declare to you, Lord, that you are my everything, that you are my all in all, and you are the love of my life. There is no one else that I want than you. To have your presence in my life is the single greatest blessing the priceless and the costly gift that has been bestowed upon me so i pray for our church i pray for those who are here to hear your word here today may they never lose sight of what is important of what the main thing is and it's one thing only is to have a relationship with you lord i pray you instill within them a passion for Your name, not just passion, Lord. Passion that is here today and gone tomorrow. But I pray that You instill within them a steadfast spirit, that each and every single day, that no matter what the seasons, no matter what they feel, that they will be consistent in their walk with You, Lord. Some days will be days where it will be filled with rain. Some days it'll be days where it will be filled with storms. Some days it'll be days where things are all good, and it's easy even in those days to the easiest to the hardest of the days may we always humble ourselves and seek after your face for you are deserving of all of our praises here today so can we come together as a church right now in our own voices can we declare our praises to him we do not need to ask him of anything but let us worship him for who he is for who he is he is our God our King who came and to died on the cross for us. He gave it all for us, so let us worship Him and give Him all the glory. Let us bless His name. May we sing praises of worship and bless His name together. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, as we gathered here today. deserving of all my praises. Every breath, even right now as I pray. Every breath, every word, every thought, all my intention, all my heart, for all my action. Lord, You are deserving of all my praise Oh God, may the name of the Lord be praised here in this place, in the midst of the storm, in the midst of this rain. I'll rise up and I'll stand up and I'll lift up my hands and worship and declare that God that You are the Lord. You're the king of my life. There's nothing greater than to know you and to have a relationship with you. Lord, we cry out to you and we seek your face. You come and you meet us. You come and you dine with us. You ask us to dine at the table with our king. So God, here we are. Here we are. And we are gathered in place once again on a Sunday. We declare your praises to our lips. Do not complaints. So Lord. Not bitterness, O Lord, but Lord, we look to You. We turn to You with gratitude. We turn to You with thanksgiving. And Lord, I pray for those who are going through May they turn their mourning into dancing. May they turn their sorrows into laughter. And God, with humility, may they. Father, we thank you once again for allowing us to have a space, not only the space, but Lord, an opportunity to pray to you and to sing songs of worship to you. What an honor it is to be in the house of the Lord. Lord, the main purpose of our life is not to build a legacy for ourselves, but to continue the legacy of what you have instilled within us, the legacy of grace and salvation and mercy, and ultimately the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. May we teach our children, may we teach this generation, may we preach to our friends and to our co-workers and to our parents, Lord, of how good you are and how amazing you are and how good you have been to your people. Lord, we are of your people. And Lord, and we declare as your people, Lord, you are our God, our Lord, and our Savior. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. pray all of these things. Your precious Son, Jesus Christ, and we pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. God bless you. It's good to be in the house of the Lord. Can we just turn to our neighbor and just greet one another at this time before we begin? And today, we're going to skip our Real Faith series. And what I want to do is share with you a message that the Lord placed in my heart. And the title of today's message is The Two Guarantees in Life. And can we turn to our neighbor and do this and go take a picture? (laughs) Just kidding. The two guarantees in life. There are two guarantees in life. And the Lord placed that in my heart to share with you today, this very morning. Now, there are two guarantees in life. Number one, trials will be given. And number two, attacks shall be happen. That is a guarantee, especially for the Christian individual. Trials will be given and attacks will happen in your life. It is a given. It is not if it happens, but it will. It's going to happen to every single one who are true Christians, who are followers of Jesus Christ. So the passage that I want to share with you is found in 1 Peter 1, to 6-9. And this is a passage that I did for praise night. I've done this passage before, but I want to tackle it from a different angle. And it says this, it says in verse 6, And all this, you, Peter the writer is saying, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Amen and amen. Now, God is in the business of giving testings and trials to his people. I'll say that again. God is in the business of giving testings and trials to his people. He has always been this way, and He will always be this way, and He will continue to be this way as He deals with His people. Why? Because you are His person. If you belong to Him, He will provide you a way to be closer to Him. And what is a way for you to be close to God? The, cl- the best way for you to get close to God is for you to go through testings and trials in your life. Because testings and trials humbles you. And when a person is humble, you turn to God. If a person is proud, you turn to the self, and you turn to the resources that you have built for your life, the kingdom that you have built for your life. But if you are a humble individual, a broken individual, come to God with the broken pieces of your heart, He will turn it around and give you beauty. For ashes. Our God is a God who tests. We cannot forget that. Proverbs 17, verse 3 says, The crucible for silver and the furnace for gold. But the Lord what? Tests the heart. In other translation, berevian translation says, He's the tester of hearts. That is his title. He is the one who tests, he tests your heart. That is why David, in fact, he pursued the testings of God. He pursued it. King David, what did he write? He wrote in Psalm 26, verse 2. He says, test me. He's talking to God in his writing. In his psalm, he's writing, test me. In other words, put me on trial. That's what he's saying. No, examine me. Examine my heart. Test me. Because I can't trust myself. My heart is crooked at times. I don't know what I want. But Lord, you know me. So test me, Lord. And try me. Examine my heart and my mind. My heart and my mind. My thoughts. My will. In Psalm 139, verse 23, David goes on. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. He says, test me. Test me. And know my anxious thoughts. David and Job, they knew how to pursue the heart of God, how they embrace the testing and the trials that were given to them. Job said it like this in Job 23, verse 10. He says, but he knows the way that I take. He's talking about God. He, God, God knows me. He knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. Job understood the mission. David understood the mission. Job, he knew, number one, who he was living for, number two, why he was put on this earth, and what his purpose for living was. Amen. And And if you have that, you're truly blessed. And on the flip side of that, the second guarantee our attacks. In other words, there is Satan. The Bible teaches us. The Scripture reminded me last night. That Satan is very real. Uh, that he is known as our great adversary. And that he has a quote-unquote great mission. What is that great mission? Is motivated by his great lust, by his great pride. To uh, to kill and to destroy Christians, to keep people from knowing Christ. Just think about it very deeply. Just think about it for a second. Why is it that Christianity is the most mocked religion? Why? Other religion is somehow respected. They see it as part of the culture. If you go to Southeast Asia, Buddhism, shamanism Hinduism we see different religion Muslims we see that these people treat their faith especially even when they keep their Quran they keep it wrapped and then when they open it they unwrap it and they read it why is it that Christianity is the most attacked religion because it's the truth because it is a truth Satan hates the Bible Satan hates Christians He hates everything about Christianity. We had a missionary from Turkey. He came and did a presentation for us. And hopefully we'll have an opportunity to go to Turkey in the future. And if you know the geography of Turkey, we know that Turkey is a very, um, it's a very important place, because that's where Asia Minor. Paul, if you read most of the New Testament, that's where he did uh, most of his missionary work. And even in the book of Revelation, we find the seven churches, they're all found on the western side of Turkey near Istanbul. And this missionary, he is stationed on the, uh, the east side of Turkey. So if you know the east side of Turkey, there's Georgia, right? You know Georgia, the crazy judo guys who are strong. Georgia, Armenia, there's Iran and there's Iraq and there's Syria. And sometimes they cross the border to go to Iran and there you need to be very careful because if you get caught as Christians, especially when you're presenting the gospel, you'll be killed. I mean you'll be prison, you'll be you'll be murdered for your faith. And we understand that missionaries, they're literally at the forefront fighting the fight. That's why we need to pray for missionaries. We need to support the missionaries. But anyways, this missionary, he said this because he was talking about his testimony of how he built the church on the eastern side near the border of Iran. And he's just talking about the difficulty of how to build a church how to build a community, a Christian community. Because we know that Turkey is not officially a Muslim country, but majority of them are Muslims. So they will backfire. They will push back. There's going to be backfire, and they're going to push back. We don't want Christian churches. And he was just saying, there's two important things that we must remember. Number one, that there is God's plan, and it's the best plan, and he will protect us, and he'll watch over us. But number two is that there is Satan's plan, Whenever there is God at work, there is also sin on the flip side of that, at doing his work. To what? To kill and to destroy the Christian church. And we need to know the difference between God's plan versus Satan's plans. In other words, our God, his plan is what? His plan is to refine us. His plan is for you to become more like him, for you to depend on him, for you to be humble, and for you to undergo trials and testings for your life because there's a purpose, because you are being refined, as Job said. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. And then on the other side, Satan's plan is to attack, 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 and attack until there's no more Christianity in you. Until so there is no more faith in you. You've grown too tired, too weak, too exhausted to the point where you never had Christ. Because those who have Christ will understand that there is God's plan and there is Satan's plan. And we must know the difference. And when you understand this, to those who are true followers of Christ, no matter how difficult the situation may be, no matter how fierce the attacks may be, when you understand that God is always behind us, in front of us, protecting us, above us, under us, He is all over us, within us, He strengthens us, we know that in every trials, testings, and attacks of the enemy, we can overcome. And we will overcome. It says here in Proverbs 16 and Proverbs 19, it says, verse 9, 21, it says, In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Many are the plans in a person's heart, the man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. As Christians and to the rest, there is a plan that's being schemed in the background by the enemy to attack. If you read the book Screwtape Litter, C.S. Lewis, Clive Staples Lewis, the author, he's talking about his uncle. Screwtape, Wormwood, the nephew, is talking about a relationship between two demons, of how they scheme and deceive humans to believe and to live a life without Christ. That's so why the Bible says, 1 Peter 5, 8, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But as Christians, Paul says in 2 Corinthians two eleven, and this is a very important passage, he says, In order that sin might not outwit us. What does that mean? He's too smart. He's smarter than you. He's stronger than you. He knows you. He knows your patterns. He knows your behaviors. He knows everything about you. He doesn't know what you're thinking because he is a limited counterfeiter, but he is powerful. He says, Paul says, you know, that sin might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. If you are unaware of his schemes today, then you are living a foolish life. You need to be aware of the schemes that are being schemed in your life right now. There's a plan of God, there's a plan of Satan, and his plan is to deceive you, to put you in a cult, to put you in a place where you are deceived and brainwashed for you to follow the way of this world. That's why you see so many people, they could have crazy success, and you wonder, why are they part of this group? Why are they part of that church? I don't understand. Because Satan has taken over their thought, their heart, their mind, and they're deceived. So we need to understand, as Christians, Satan's schemes should be obvious to us. When the attacks come, we need to know the difference. That this is from the devil, and this is obviously a testing and trial in this season from the Lord. And we need to understand that it happens at the same time it's not like okay pause and then i'll deal with this and then pause i'll deal with life just happens to us like a truck coming at us but if you have god we'll be okay and if you're not prepared or aware of his schemes then we will be destroyed in this life because sin is too powerful he's too strong for us so the scripture teaches us that Satan's plan is very clear it should be very clear to us because Paul says in second Corinthians four two chapters later second Corinthians 2 11 and second Corinthians 4 four what does Paul say he says the God of this age who is the god of this age the God of this age if you look at the Bible it says it's lowercase g it's not talking about God or other thing it's it's talking about Satan itself, the God of this age, has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ. Meaning there has been a veil placed on their eye they cannot see. They can't see the truth. They cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. So may we understand today that there are two guarantees in life. Number one, there are trials and testings that come from the Lord. And number two, attacks of the enemy. And we need to understand and differentiate from both. And we need to know where we are, what season we're in, and what's happening in our lives. So in today's message, we'll come to a fuller understanding as Christians as to what to expect out of this one life here on this earth number one trials are from the lord again trials are given from god testings are given from god is it easy no it's not but it is good it is good for the soul it is good for your life it is good for the mind it is good for you as a whole, as an individual, for you to become like Christ, trials and testings are needed. Psalm 66 verse 10, For you, God, tested us. You refined us like silver. So when trials come and they will come, embrace them like the morning sun. Embrace it. Trials are from the Lord. And this is why David said, as I mentioned earlier, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and mind. He says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. He says it in Psalm 139 verse 23. He says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. Search me, God. And as I mentioned earlier to Job, but he knows the way that I take. When he has treated me and tested me, I will come forth as God. Go, amen, and amen. So letter A, to make you dependent on Christ. Why are trials and testings given? So that to make you dependent on Christ. Letter B, to make you hold on to Christ. Because humility allows you to hold on to Him and seek His help. Letter C, to make you become more like Christ with a pure heart to make you become more like Christ with a pure heart. I'm talking about dressing like Jesus for Halloween, to look like him physically, but we become like him in the pureness of the heart. It is pure, letter D, to allow you to serve Christ and others with a humble heart. Life is all about serving. As leaders, you're here to serve. That's it. In this life, we're here to serve. Don't get it twisted. We're here to serve. Serve Christ and serve others. Serve the least of these. We serve with a humble heart. And letter E, to refine you into the image of Christ. To refine you into the image of Christ. So ultimately, this is what trials do in your life. This is what it does. Test things, this is what it does. It makes you dependent on Christ. makes you hold on to Christ. makes you become more like Christ with a pure heart. Allows you to serve Christ and others with a pure heart, with a humble heart, to refine you into the image of Christ. Ultimately, to be like Christ. Not to be like Mike, right? Long time ago in the nineties, that was his thing. Mike Jordan. <laughs> but to be like Christ. And even Paul struggled with this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 8-10, if you read a little bit verses before, it says, a messenger of Satan, it was given. But at the same time, we see that it's also the trial that is given. So like I said before, trials and attacks, it comes, it happens together. And we need to understand the difference between both. And this is what Paul said. He said three times, I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. He's talking about a thorn on the flesh. We don't really know exactly what it is. It could be spiritual. It could be physical. But there was a thorn given to him. It was affecting Paul and affected him from doing ministry in a way where it was effective because it was hindering him. So imagine you're crippled or something. There's something that is hindering your life from being able to be all out for God. Three times I pleaded with the Lord, not with Satan, but to God to take it away from me. But he said to me, Who is he? It's talking about Christ. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weaknesses. In weakness. Therefore, this is what Paul says, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on. Me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, and in insults, and in hardships, and persecutions, and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. That's what Christ says in Matthew 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. For those who have been attacked much. For those who have been undergoing trials and testings much, whatever it may be, come to Christ. He says, come to me. If it's an attack, come to me. If it's a trial and your heart has just tired and you're weak and you feel exhausted, come to me. All you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Come to me, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will re- find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's what Peter, he says, again, going back to our main scripture in verse 6-7. In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials, attacks, all of it, put together these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed amen and amen Amen. so again number one trials are from the Lord number two attacks are from Satan attacks are from Satan as it was mentioned earlier there is a plan of trials and fulfilling the purposes of God in your life. Versus right now, number two, the devil schemes. His plans and attacks to what? To kill your faith for you to have no faith. That's what he does. First Peter 5.8, it says, Be alert and of sober mind. Later, First Peter, we read chapter one. That's our main passage. Five chapters later, Four chapters later, he says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Yes, there's testings of God, but there is also the reality that sin exists and that he is here to kill you and to devour you and to destroy your faith. Peter is saying, be aware. Satan is on the move, he's on the move. Job 1, seven, the Lord said to Satan in the beginning, where have you come from? Satan answered the Lord. What does he say? From roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. He has a spiritual underground where he is able to go from point A to point B. And he has little minions, demons, who do his biddings, right? Like despicable me. That's where they got the movie, the idea from. From Satan, that's what he does. He has little minions that do his work. He also has people whom he has blinded and deafened and are using them, unbelievers, possession, possessed, who fight for him and live to do his bidding, who live to exalt the kingdom of darkness and the, not the kingdom of God. That's why churches like Church of Satan exist. Other faith, other religions exist because the devil is ultimately using, he is skewing the person's heart not to turn to the true maker, to the true creator, but to keep you away from the true God for you to be blinded, and for you to follow the ways of this world. So as we understand the attacks are from Satan, letter A, we need to know that he exists. Know he exists. B, know he is strong. C, know he hates you. Letter D, know he has a plan for you. What is his plan for you? To devour you, for you to not know God, for you to not know Christ, for you to stay away from Christ, from church, so that you can live the rest of your life for yourself. Ultimately, it's the story of Adam and Eve, the great temptation, the great deception, and the great fall of man and woman. And Because we are descendants of Adam and Eve, the same apple, the same fruit is offered unto us. Know that he exists, know that he is strong, no, oh, he hates you. No, he has a plan for you. So how do we fight this? How do we fight this? Very simple. And I have scripture here to back it up. Each point here, letter E to, letter e to I, it's all backed up by scripture itself. Not my thought, not my thinking, or what I think, but this all came from the word of God. And I was just studying the word of God, the Lord led me to these points, the Lord led me to these scriptures to share with you, because we need to understand. You cannot fight sin in your own strength. He is too strong. He is too powerful. He has too many minions under his power. He has too many people blinded that are following him. He is too strong, and he exists. He has a plan for you to destroy your life. So simple, the answer is this. It's simple. Letter E, submit to Christ. Submit. That's it. You submit. Letter F, put on the full armor of God. Letter G, do not let negative emotions take over your will. Talk about anger, frustration, bitterness, all the things that will rot in the core of your being. Do not let negative emotions take over your will. Stay alert. Letter H, stay alert and be ready in Christ. Don't become drunken by the things of this world. Stay alert. Be ready. Stay sober. Be ready. Let our eye know who Satan is. Know who Satan is. When I say know who he is, I don't mean go and search for it and study it like it's your obsession, right? And sometimes when you do that, then you will really fall to the dark side, right? Because... If you don't have Christ in you it's not something you want to you, you don't want to gamble your life with Satan He is too powerful but we need to know who Satan is in other words what do I mean by that Just know that he is a coward know that he is a counterfeiter know that his schemes are temporary I mean his, his ways it seems as strong but it's not. In comparison to Christ, it is nothing. In other words, do not be tricked nor be overcome by his tactics. So how do I back this up with these points? Easy. It says here in Scripture, in James 4, 7, Submit yourselves then to God. Then what? Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Easy. Submit to God. It's not this time of elaborate prayer or or, or this tongue event that you're having, it says, submit to the Lord, then the devil will flee from your life. Ephesians 6, 10-20, to 20, it says, the armor of God, is saying, to put on the full armor of God, letter F, put on the full armor of God, it says, finally be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God, so that you can take your stand against who? Against the devil's schemes. Each point here is how is giving us the answer, the remedy in how to fight the devil. Verse 12, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare fearlessly as I should. Ephesians 4, 26-28, In your anger do not sin. Remember, we talked about do not let negative emotions take over your will. Why is it important for you when you end the day not to carry the negative emotions with you to go to sleep? Why? Why is it important that before we go to bed, we meditate on his word and we pray to God and we have peace of God. No matter what happened today, tremendous things could have happened. Bad things could have happened throughout the day. And when you look at it, that person should be broken. And how do we turn something that was sour into joy? The Bible says, in your anger, do not sin. And he goes on, Paul says, he says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Because when you let your emotions, negative emotions take over your life and you go to bed, Pastor Piper gave an example, the same thing as, Would you go to sleep with your front door open, wide open? No, you always close it and you lock it because burglars will come in. So if you go to sleep angry while you still have the negative emotions in your heart, anger, bitterness, frustration, then the devil has a foothold. You ever tried to close a door on your friend and they put their foot on the door? So there's nothing you can do or they their door you can push as hard as you want the door won't move. When we do that we're giving the devil a foothold says and do not give the devil a foothold in your anger, do not sin do not let the sun go down while you're still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. In other words, stop thinking about just your own emotions, or your life. But turn that around and do good. That is pleasing to God. First Peter 5, 8, I mentioned 8, but let me read a little more go from 8 to 11. It says, Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour, right? It says, Resist him. Resist the devil. How? By standing firm in the faith standing firm in the faith, because you know that family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings, meaning everyone who are in Christ are being attacked. It's going to happen. But don't fret. Verse 10, God of all grace, who calls you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast, it says. To Him be the power and... power forever and ever amen that's what the scripture teaches us and again 2nd Corinthians two eleven I mentioned earlier you know that Satan might not outwit us for we are not unaware of his schemes we need to be aware of his schemes we know what he is up to so when we wake up each morning we wake up with a sense of knowing that Satan is at work he is at work when you're sleeping. He is at work when you're awake. He is at work when you're at work. He is at work when you're at home. Wherever you are, He is at work. Therefore, we need to work by submitting to God, resisting the devil, resist Him, and then He will flee from you. He is your powerful enemy, powerful adversary. You must be alert. Stand and be ready to fight as you wake up each morning. So what was the title of today's message? I'm going to ask the priest to come up. It's the two guarantees on life, right? And I had another title in mind where I was going to say the three guarantees in life. But I didn't want to say that because I just wanted us to focus on two. Because number three is guaranteed. And number three is this, and I guess I can change the title to the three guarantees in life. I'll give you a third one, and this is the most important one. And I wanna say this for the end, and here it is, number three, you will overcome. You will overcome. That's a guaranteed given from the Lord that you will overcome. It's a fact. And to those who belong to Christ, will win. You will win. You may feel like you're not winning, There's a lot of attacks and trials you're going through right now. A lot of suffering we went through, especially even our church. We've been through a lot of trials, testings, and attacks from the enemy. But we're here. We will win and we will overcome. How do we make it so thus far? Because we're so smart, we're so good. No, there's no one foolish than I am. If God can watch over our church and God can protect our church, a small church like this, thank God and take care of anyone who is in a dire situation. No matter what your situation may be, no matter how difficult your situation may be, the Lord will watch over you and that is a promise and guarantee that has been bestowed upon your life from the beginning to now and it will forever be true. For Jesus overcame the grave, overcame death, and He resurrected And because He's alive. I am alive here today. This is what Paul says in Romans 5, verse 1 through 11. And I pray that this word here will bring you much encouragement as it did for me as I was preparing this message. And this is what Paul says, and the heading says, peace and hope. He says this in verse 1 of chapter 5 of Romans, And hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died us. Amen. Since we have now been justified by His blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath to Him? For if, while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to Him through the death of His Son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall be saved through His life? If only is a soul, will we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Amen. Amen. What goes on in chapter 8? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, For your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors to Him who loves us. Like i gotta say it again. We are more than conquerors to Him who loves us. i say it again. We are more than conquerors to Him. Who who love us so I am convinced that neither death nor life neither angels nor demons neither the present nor the future nor any powers neither height nor death nor anything else in our creation will be able to separate you from us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord Amen Amen. James 1.12 says Blessed is the one who perseveres on the trial because having stood the test that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him Joe 23 verse 10. And he knows the way that I take. And when he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. But thanks be to God, he gives us a victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 John 5, For everyone born of God overcomes the world, is the victory that has overcome the world. Even our faith, who is that overcomes the world? Only the one who believes that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Let's not forget. Finishing with this, John nineteen thirty, When he had received the train, Jesus is on the cross. He said, It is finished. It is finished. With that, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. That phrase, It is finished, meaning it is finished for us. The war has been won. It's won, but the battle's not done. We need to keep fighting. While we're here, I want to encourage You and this is an encouragement to me. This message is also for me that we will overcome and we have overcome. Amen. Amen. And that's it. And as long as we approach this war knowing that we won and that this is just the small battles that we fight in this life, we're gonna be alright life, trials, testings, attacks, sufferings, it's all part of life, and we need to embrace it, the faster we come to that realization, and we embrace it, the better we will be to mature in our faith, and that's ultimately what God wants, for you to mature in your faith, and what is the end result, the end result is this verse 8-9, to in our main passage, First Peter 1, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith. What is the end result? It's the salvation of your souls. The salvation of my life that is found in Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. I want to encourage you Friends, men and women of God. Rejoice in your suffering. Embrace suffering. Trials, testings, attacks are bound to happen every day. But we will overcome and we have overcome. And we will overcome. Amen. And amen. So with that, can we just come together now? Just in our own time together before the Lord. Earlier we prayed a prayer of blessing and worship to God, not asking Him of anything. But now that we have humbled ourselves and we have declared our praises to Him, declared His greatness, His power, now let us come and humble ourselves and let's ask of Him the things that are in our hearts. Let's pray for our lives for this one life that we have one chance that we have in this life pray for your soul pray for yourself and pray for others as Paul said pray also for me I may fearlessly present the gospel preach the gospel So, please pray for me as well pray for your pastor pray for one another Let's pray for the mission trip that is coming up. Let's just pray for our church, that God will protect this church, that God will protect this ministry. And let's just pray that the dominion of Christ will come into the lives of this generation, that the submission to Christ will come upon this generation. Let us pray for our generation, for this generation here today. Let us pray together. for grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven, proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, it may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. and Even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible And glorious joy for you receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Lord, we just want to thank you for your word here this morning. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you, and we give all of ourselves to you. For you know us inwardly, outwardly, you know all of us from our thoughts to what we say before the word comes out of our tongue you know it completely oh Lord you know it all so God we ask God as David asked and as Job asked as Job asked in Job 23 as David asked in Psalm 139 well, we ask of you to test us and to test our hearts to examine our ways examine us, Lord, here tonight. test us, Lord, to embrace the suffering, embrace the trials, embrace the testings. We give you all the glory. We give you all the honor. We turn to you, Lord. For all of these things, precious Son, just Christ, and we pray, and all of God's people pray, amen, amen, amen. All right, let's transition to our final song, The Path of Life in Jesus. And we'll close the service with the benediction. Let's sing together The
1: Path of Life. The Path of Life in Jesus is the only path i know i will run to him with my broken heart there's power in the name of jesus he's my righteousness his name
0: that, let's close the service with the benediction. Let us all pray together. May the Lord bless you, and may the Lord keep you, and may the Lord shine His face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. And now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you with everything good for doing His will, may continue to work within us And within your life, what is pleasing in His sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And as God's people we pray, amen and amen. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back. God bless.